It's concert season, and concert season is all about the boots. Already, Oxford and Ole Miss have seen Morgan Wallen lighted up at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Ole Miss football star and Talk of Champions podcaster Jared Ivey bemoaned how his boots were lacking. He should have gone with Tecovis, the only stop for the Ole Miss fan and the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings for the spring and summer, including timeless, always-on-trend styles in men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. Stop by your local Tecovis store and have a complimentary drink or two on the house while you shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service, and many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The sun's a-shining in Oxford, Mississippi. Cookouts in the Grove. Beer showers. It's just the very best time for an Ole Miss Rebel to get out and get going. Carry front door peace of mind with you everywhere you go with Eufy Video Lock. Never has home security been so easy. Eufy Video Lock, an all-in-one security device for your front door, allows you to keep an eye on everything back home. And it's so easy. Installation requires only a screwdriver. So ditch those house keys forever and give Eufy Video Lock a try today. There's no monthly fee, and Eufy Video Lock has customer support on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. Go ahead, have your home as fun in the sun with the assurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock's built-in camera can tell you who's at your front door from the comfort of your poolside chair. So search Eufy Video Lock today. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. It's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. And today's guest co-host is Bunky Perkins at Bunky Perkins on Twitter. And the guest is Stephen Godfrey at 38 Godfrey. Coming up in about 10, 15, 20 minutes. I don't know. Bunky and I just sat down to talk. Hey, buddy. I love that I'm the lead into Godfrey. Yeah. Good, yeah. good, to, hear you, good to hear your sparkling voice. I know. It's been a month. I said to Bunky back when David Johnson left to do his own podcast, The Insiders, which can be found on the Ole Miss Spirit, OmSpirit.com, the website that both he and I write for, that I needed him at least once a month. And to your credit, you've held up your end of the bargain. Now, it's only been two months. But... Yeah, I mean, there's no telling how, how quickly I'll fall out, off after that. Yeah, yeah. I fully expect like next month I'll call you like, hey, man, you ready to go this month? Uh, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. Yeah. 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 I, I just want to take your calls. Yeah. Just ignore me completely. But you've got your read receipts on on your text. I don't know anybody that does that anymore. Why do you do that? I mean, when somebody can see that you've read the text, that puts a lot of pressure on the receiver to respond. I'm an open book, man. You know, I want you to know if I don't like you. It's pretty cold-blooded, to be honest with you. Yeah, exactly. Of course, now's the perfect time to have you on. I think this is the only way I can get you on, when there's big moments in Bunky Perkins' sports life. 
And this is a big week for you. Yeah, it's a small orbit, but this is a big week. Bobby Petrino, the anniversary of his motorcycle wreck seven years ago. That That's this week. That, it, it was this Monday on April Fool's, which is just a small piece of the story, but a hilarious piece that all this started on April 1st. Where were you when Bobby Petrino wrecked his motorcycle? I'm trying to think. I was living in Louisiana, but it was like Easter weekend, and I was in the middle of dating my now wife, uh, who was living in Fayetteville. And so I happened to be in Fayetteville that week. What a way to celebrate our Lord and Savior. It was great. It was great. I mean, you know, one, one guy rose— and the other one fell off his bike. <laughs> uh, you know what's unbelievable about Bobby Petrino? You can't kill him. No. You can't kill his coaching career. It's impossible. I think we've killed it now. He'll probably come back as as like a professional assistant or I don't know. But yeah, I mean, this last run with Louisville, mm, it did a number on him. What is the Ole Miss equivalent to Bobby Petrino wrecking his motorcycle? I mean, I don't think there's a single, which is crazy to think about because typically Ole Miss usually has the most crazy scenarios happen. But Arkansas outdid themselves and outdid everybody else with the Petrino deal. I think if you combined the Hugh Freeze, um, you know, finding the text messages and like just throw in a sprinkle of just Houston nuts absurdity, then like the whole picture maybe is just as big. But like, if you consider like the chain of events of this Bobby Petrino deal where he wrecked his motorcycle lies, and then eventually all the truth comes out, he gets fired and they hired John L Smith for a year. And and it was the worst football year I've ever seen of any program. Like it was, they were so bad. Uh, And it, it just, it set the program back. They still haven't recovered. Like here we are, Two coaches later, three coaches later, and they still haven't recovered. The podcast brought to you by Thomas Chandler, your modern woodman representative. If you need help financially, contact Thomas today. He'll help you with retirement, savings, getting your financials in order. He's done it for me. He can do it for you. So what does modern woodman do? How about financial security for you and your family through life insurance, retirement planning, financial services? How about quality family life through member benefits and local fraternal activities? Community impact through local volunteer projects that make a difference where members live, work, and play. If your finances are bogging you down as they were for me, contact Thomas today. He's a personal friend. He's the one to talk to. 662-296-0186. 662-296-0186. To learn more, go to www.modernwoodman.org. That's www.modernwoodman.org. Thomas Chandler, your Modern Woodman representative. The podcast brought to you by Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. The car buying process can be overwhelming. Believe me, I've been there, like recently. <laughs> You're just looking to get the best deal anyway, right? If that's the case, and to avoid the headache, head on over to Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. They're going to take care of you and get you into your next vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory is priced to sell, and what separates Alan Samuels is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Tell them Talk of Champions sent you. They're hardcore Ole Miss fans, so they'll probably want to talk some Ole Miss basketball, baseball, spring football practices. But more importantly, they'll want to make the process as seamless as possible and make sure you get what you want at a good price. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. Stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's just past Kroger. Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. 
Alan Samuels, let's be friends. More interesting to you, Bobby Petrino celebrating the motorcycle wreck or a football camp in Shreveport May 18th with your boy, Ryan Mallon. Yeah, so I just tweeted this out. Oh, okay, okay. So you've seen uh, this. Yeah, so there is a, I know this is a complete sidebar, but, but uh, as some of you may know, Ryan Mallet and I have a very long and, and distinguished history together. And um, he is putting on a football camp in my hometown of Shreveport, Louisiana, hosted by the district attorney, which is perfect. Uh, it is him and another one of the uh, quarterbacks of my Christmas past, Josh Booty. Uh, that might be the greatest football camp I've ever heard of. And I encourage anyone who has a child of, you know, participation age within like a three hour drive, you could find worse ways to spend your weekend. Will you be sending a friends of the program correspondent to this camp? No, because Mr. Mallet is a little upset with me. In fact, he kind of sent me some threatening messages uh, about a week ago because whoa, 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 what? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so I, I guess we'll we'll get off the Petrino thing for a second. Let's talk about Mallet. So, as some of you know, I was a participant in the famed Twitter feed uh, "Summer of Mallet." Yes, uh, and uh, uh, he did not like it. His agent did not like it, and in fact, blamed me and some of the people that were involved with this with his draft stock completely plummeting. Not not to mention that you know he was just kind of a garbage person other than the fact that he had a absolute cannon on his arm and so his career didn't really turn out i mean you know he's a career backup really he was in baltimore most recently and was cut by the ravens because he missed a flight with the team like he didn't wake up in time and he's using the picture with the ravens for his football camp right so he now apparently i got this sent to me like a week or so ago has a lawn service in Fayetteville, Arkansas. So think about this. Because he could not get up for his alarm, he went from an NFL quarterback making millions to mowing grass. Um, a precipitous fall uh, because you couldn't get up and, you know, make a meeting on time. That's so tough. anyway, yeah, that's so tough. yeah, so I kind of made fun of the fact that he had a lawn noise service. Not to look, if you, if you own a landscaping service and you mow yards for a living, God bless you. Cause I pulled a bunch of bushes in my yard this weekend and it sucked. But the fact that you're, none of you were millionaire quarterbacks in your previous job before you took on this landscaping uh, endeavor. So what I'm saying is that's like just a crazy transition. And kind of made some some fun jokes. And he sent me, he knows who I am. He's known who I, I am for a long time. And we have mutual, I don't know that you'd say mutual friends. We know mutual people. He started messaging me on Instagram. Found my, I guess found my Instagram account, which is private. Because, I mean, it's like pictures of my kids and stuff. And dogs and whatnot. So, anyhow... Uh, yeah, he sent me a bunch of messages and asked me if I wanted him to come over to my house and he'd mow my yard for free, quote unquote. That doesn't but, sound threatening. Uh, yeah, it kind of was. No, that sounds delightful. <laughs> no, <laughs> he followed it up with a couple of messages of like, why won't I answer him? What's the matter? So I, I think. Uh, well, why didn't you answer him, Bunky? Look, man, I'm not poking the bear, especially a bear with lawn equipment and a rocket arm. I don't, you know, I just leave, let sleeping dogs, let sleeping dogs lie because that's what happened to him and why. He's, or let them cut grass. 
Well, but that's why he's not an NFL quarterback because he literally slept. So instead of getting up and going to his flight to a football game. So anyhow, yeah. So Ryan Mallett, not happy with me. The most uh, aggressive message from Ryan Mallett to Bunky Perkins was what? Like that he knew where I lived. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Which is fine. Come on over. Y'all would have great conversation. We probably would. What's no, the totally. one question you'd have for Ryan Mallett? I mean, what happened, dude? <laughs> like literally. It, it uh what's what's your what's your problem? Like you know. But I don't know. Maybe now now my question to him would be when do I need a fertilize here in the spring? So I don't know. See, I don't understand why anybody that is out there in the public how they can't have a sense of humor about stuff. For example, I told this story before, I think, but if I haven't, here we go. Mississippi State fans got a hold of my cell phone at one point, a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and they made an advertisement on Craigslist that I was selling goats. And my number's out there, and the goats were named Neil and somebody else. I can't remember. Obviously, tip of the hat to Neil McCready, who writes for rebelgrove.com. And so one morning at like seven in the morning, I start getting blown up on my phone asking me if I still had these goats for sale. And I'm going, what the (laughs) hell are you talking about? And this woman, this nice woman, a few people got mad at me like, you've got the post op. It's about the goats. Well, one nice woman said, you don't know. And I went, no, ma'am, I don't. And she sent me a text link to this Craigslist page, Ben Garrett selling goats. Here's his number. The goats are Neil and whatever the other name was, probably like Chuck or Chase or Yancey. I don't know. I, of course, had to change my number, and I was peed for a second. Then I thought, it's kind of brilliant, practical joke. Now, it sucks. It's an invasion of privacy, and I had to change my phone and do all the stupid stuff you got to do with your numbers. But as far as a joke is concerned, it's pretty great. Right. It's pretty great. And the summer of Mallet was just a running joke that everybody enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. And so, and, you know, once he kind of became a professional, we really just left him alone because the joke had kind of run its course. It was like, okay, whatever. It was kind of a one off thing. And it's been years. But the minute, like, literally, it was like one night randomly, I sent out a couple of tweets about his lawn service. And I mean, he was, he's not happy. So I, I yeah, so I tried to not uh, tweet out a bunch about his uh, football camp. Cause I mean, he's going to my, my hometown where, you know, my family still lives. <laughs> so, Golly. He's got you, he's got you backed into a corner. He's got yeah, baby backed right. into a corner here. Right. So look, it just whatever. The reason but, we hate know, Kevin Durant is not because he joined the Warriors. We all hated that, but we hated the move more than the player. The reason everyone hates Kevin Durant now is because he's obviously no fun as shown through his phantom ghosting social media accounts in which he responds to trolls and stuff like that that are talking shit about Kevin Durant. It's like, Kevin, you're a multimillionaire, one of the greatest basketball players to ever play the game, easily the best basketball player in the world right now, and you're worried about Twitter trolls. Yeah, if I'm a professional athlete of any note, I'm not uh, having very much social media or at least not be able to see my replies. Like, I just don't want to know. So, but yeah, I, I guess young, young Mr. Mallet's not happy with me. So, and you know, if, if him or Bobby Petrino are listening to this podcast, fellas, relax. I'm just trying to get these jokes off, man. That's it. What buried Hugh Freeze was what? Twitter. Yeah. That's, which is, that's, see, that's a, I guess that would be the crazy equivalent to the Petrino thing is like literally the downfall of our head coach was Twitter. Yeah. Really? Like, that's crazy. 
That's how, crazy. How can you, you be so beholden to a personal Twitter account? What does it bring to you rather than the millions of dollars in a sugar bowl win? Why is Twitter what has your attention? Okay, you remember when Ole Miss right. got the crap beat out of it at Florida? The Chad Kelly year, they went right. to Florida, got killed. Right. right. A friend of mine lost a child, and I didn't go to Florida because I'm going to a funeral for a child. It's a terrible, terrible moment for not me, but my friend. It's for, for me because I'm mourning for my friend and stuff like that. But that, that's what I was doing. But I'm watching the Ole Miss game that night and dealing with grief and watching this terrible game. What do you think I did? I drank a lot and got hammered. And I drunk tweeted about the game and I was making fun of the game. Couldn't help myself. That's what we do. That's basically what Twitter is, you know? So the next morning I get a text. Hugh Freeze is no longer going to talk to you. Okay. Jesus. Whatever. All right, fine. But then I talked to Hugh Freeze. I called him because I'm on the way to Nashville to see my friend and go to this funeral. I called him and we had this knockdown, drag out yelling match. And finally in the middle of it, I just, I had to, point out the absurdity i went hugh wait 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 your team just got the crap beat out of it at florida and rather than being film study or trying to correct things talking to your players you're worried about a drunk beat writer's tweets why does that matter to you on this sunday morning after the game more than the stuff that should matter to you that you're getting paid millions to care about he didn't want to hear it, but it just makes the point. It's like, why does Twitter matter? Why does social media matter so much to people in authority positions? It'll never make sense to me. I, I don't get it either. And look, even me, I've said multiple times that I will get off Twitter forever the day that Houston Nug gets another job because there's no going back from that. So You'll check it, though. Yeah, maybe, but like I, I won't be what I, well, as prolific as I am now on it. And, and yeah, humble brag. No, no. I'm, when I say prolific, I mean like po- like tweeting. Like I don't mean like people following me. I just mean I won't be as active on it. And I, I just pray for that day. It'll probably never come. And and that at some point I'll just turn off Twitter, and that'll be the end of it. But like it's not. Yeah, it's not that big a deal. Like I don't. I don't get. I don't get why. I don't know if it's just a lot of free time or whatever, but yeah, guys seem to get a little up in their feelings about it. But yeah, so kind of circling back to our original story. Oh, we're way off the rails already, man. This is funny. Yeah, totally. But yeah, Ryan, Ryan Mallett last week, not real happy with me. So uh, today, this week I hadn't heard from him in a week, so maybe he's kind of cooled off. Maybe he's realized that he just needs to chill out. So The ideal Bunky Perkins dinner party, Bobby Petrino, Houston Nutt, and Ryan Mallett? <sighs> I mean, Houston Nutt's definitely there. Probably not. Probably not Petrino or Mallet. Yeah, I, I think I would come up with a little bit more creative. I, I don't. I don't know who that would be off the top of my head, but Houston I'd def- would definitely be a, a a member of the dinner party. He, he would have good stories at least. Petrino would just be boring at dinner. He'd probably put ketchup on his steak. Like just weird. Uh, I think Houston Nutt would be great at like charades. Yeah, like di- yeah, he he'd be a big dinner party guy. Like he, I definitely think. Like I hope he's just hitting the dinner party circuit now. Like I know, actually, I got a photo the other day sent to me by a buddy of mine. He was in, I guess, Houston was in Texarkana giving a speech to like the Texarkana quarterback club or something. And and I was like, man, that that's perfect for him. Like he's just out there telling stories and and just getting free meals. Like that's the spot for that's the, that's the sweet spot for all all Houston Dale. The thing about Houston is he can completely change his story and no one questions it. 
Yeah. Yeah. He, he, uh, he tells a good story. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad he's out there amongst the people really giving them, giving them what they want. So, and, and let the record show after that second cotton bowl, win, certainly after the first, you can make an argument that not necessarily after the second, but after the first, for sure, he could have run for mayor of Oxford and won. Totally. Oh gosh. That was the worst. I, I was at the, the first cotton bowl and I remember it was a great game. One, one of my favorite games uh, as an Ole Miss fan was that game. And, uh, I just remember, uh, him, uh, or like the whole crowd chanting his name. I was just like, Oh no. You know, I, I was living in Fayetteville at the time and I'd seen everything that happened at Arkansas. I was just like, Oh, don't do this. This is not going to end well. Let's just enjoy it for what it is. Everybody's happy. Let's not get crazy. And sure enough. So even Houston hadn't won you over at that point. No, I never did. No, not even on. a little. No, uh, never. No. No, because I had seen what the other uh, the other part of that was, like the flip side of it. So I just enjoyed it for what it was. Find you someone like Ken Burns who loved Houston Nut no matter what until the end. That's true. Hey, look, you know, everybody needs friends like that. I hope I have friends like that. I hope I have friends. You, that... you, there's no way you do. You're a disaster. No. That's true. When I spiral out of control, there'll be nobody there to help me. I'll never forget also sitting there when Houston Nutt is announcing his departure from Ole Miss in that crappy team meeting room, and Burns stands up and just makes a speech about how great Houston is and starts like his own soft clap kind of thing, and no one really joined in. Then finally, a few apprehensively, just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a time and place for the soft clap. Yeah. Well, yeah, let's 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 get to the the original topic, which was the Petrino thing. So I want to walk through this real quick okay. because I have, I have firsthand experience on this whole deal. So, like, let, let me run through it real quick. So we already talked about the wreck happened on April Fools, right? So then he comes out and um, has that press conference, that crazy press conference, where he's shown up in a neck brace like he's Bobby Heenan, and he's got like <laughs> he's got like road rash. And I watched it the other day just to remember how crazy it is. And he starts walking through everything. And somebody asks him about, I guess, how he got to the hospital. And he mentions, he says, um, there was a woman there who flagged down a car. And like nobody asked. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Nobody asked who was that woman. Like who? And so like he thought he was going to get away with this scot-free until and he what he thought was is that he was close enough tied in with the police you know as the head coach of university of arkansas and so this this wreck happened right outside of fable and like right outside of this little town called crosses arkansas which is about 30 minutes outside of fable give or take and uh he thought he was tied up tied in enough with the police that they would not publish the fact that he had somebody with him but, well, that didn't occur. So when, when the police report came out, it mentioned this other girl, Jessica Durrell, and, and then all hell broke loose, right? So his story, the crazy part isn't that he was having an affair or that he lied. I mean, that's, that's unfortunately, that's typical. But, like, the crazy part was that he, he was his explanation about the wreck, okay? He said that he... Uh, had the sun in his eyes and was coming around a bend and lost control and laid the bike down in, uh, in a uh, pile of branches or whatever. Okay. So 
that week after all that happened, I was like, I'm going to go out there. I just want to see it. So I drove out there that week. After this, on, under your, on your own volition, you just drove out there. Yeah, I drove out there. It was like it was a quick little thirty minute drive. So and God bless my wife. She went with me, and just how is she still with you? I just oh, I don't know. She entertained my my psychosis for for a couple hours, and so I drive out there. Okay, and it you can see where the bike was quote unquote laid down. There's a little bit of a skid mark. Okay, and there is like a pile of branches. But when you walk out there, the first thing you notice is, wait a minute, he said that the sun was in his eyes and that's what kind of caused the crash. That road where he crashed was was facing north and south, not east and west at all. Like it was almost due north. The second part that uh, I tweeted out earlier in the week, there was an old Deadspin article. I'd written something, my old site, which was Friends of the Program, no longer is existing, but uh, Deadspin had linked an article I wrote about it, about how this isn't accurate. And so uh, if you go to my Twitter and t- there's a Deadspin link that you can read on this. So anyhow, not only was it the road facing due north, uh, due north and south, there he got in a wreck at like 6.30 evening. So went back and looked at like the... Oh, what was it? It was like the U.S. Navy logs as to like what the height of the sun is at that time. And based on there's a huge tree canopy on that road because it's in the Ozarks. It's like through the hills. And literally the sun at 630 would have been almost all the way down under those trees. Like you wouldn't have seen the sun from the road. There's no chance. And so you effectively sounded the alarm on this. Yeah. So there's always been this theory that the whole thing was a lie. And the actual story was that the fiance of Jessica Durrell, the woman he was having an affair with, found out about it. And he and his buddies pulled Petrino over on the side of the road and beat him up. And that sounds kind of crazy, right? But when you think about like what he said happened versus what the actuality, what the true like what that area looks like and what he said, plus the fact we never saw, if you got in a motorcycle wreck, he looked like he had been beat up or in a motorcycle wreck. We never saw a picture of her, right? Was she hurt? Well, if you got beat up, certainly she wouldn't have been hurt. Like, where's the picture of her? I want to see her that after that wreck. God, this is like the multi-gunman theory with Kennedy. Right. Exactly. Same, same, same dire consequences as well. So, um, just based on number one, who Bobby Petrino is number two, the area in his versus his story. Like I totally believe the conspiracy theory that the fiance and maybe some other people beat him up. And I think that's almost a, uh, totally, like accepted theory among Arkansas fans at this point. Uh, I, I think most of them think that. And like as the epilogue to the story beyond the fact that he was probably lying and the whole thing's crazy is the fiance ended up still marrying that girl. That's, that's the most baffling thing in this. How crazy is that? He's now the uh, strength and conditioning coach for South Carolina swimming. And well, so that prevents me from saying what I was about to say. Yeah, so they're still married, which is nuts. What kind of motorcycle did he have? 
Who, Bobby Petrino? Yeah. Uh, I think it was, was a it crotch rocket or was it like a full on? No, 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 no. It was oh. one of those big ones with like saddlebags and the whole deal. And the, the other part of that, it was a, Har- uh, I see it in the article. It was a Harley Davidson road King. So it was one of those like middle aged guy bicycle bikes that people buy. Yes. But the, the other thing, and I regret it to this day, um, that motorcycle went up, to, went up for auction in Fayetteville and I didn't buy it. That is a missed opportunity of all. That would have been a showpiece at my house. Dear God, you had to buy. You had to buy that. You had to buy that. Yeah, I would have that. Hugh Freeze's cell phone, <laughs> and what else? Houston Nuts hat. Right, and like uh, a uh, t-shirt from a gentleman's club signed by Mike Price. Like those oh would have been my pieces uh, at my house. So, Is Petrino still married? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like under the under 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 the law. Yes. <laughs> As far as far as the legal system goes, I believe it's still on paper. It's still a common law marriage. It's uh, still yeah. happening. That's, that's yeah, crazy. yeah. As far as what actually goes on, man, you got me. I don't know, but it's just nuts. That whole story was crazy. So I, I, I if you're at all interested in this complete dark rabbit hole that we're down, go read that Deadspin article that links both uh, an article I wrote and then. There's another article written by um, another website that kind of spelled this out too. So um, it got way more scientific than I did. I what mean, is Bobby Petrino going to be like in retirement if he's not going to have a coaching job? I hope he just buys a. I hope he buys a bar somewhere on the Gulf Coast and, and just, just tells stories. Oh yeah, just maybe just does charter fishing. But, you know, well, well, the dream for all of us, really. So the biggest scumbag in coaching ever, right? Uh, Who are the biggest scumbags? One of, you can certainly say one of the biggest. Top three. That's a big hill. But yeah, he is, he is based on the evidence and there's a lot of it, kind of a garbage person. Is Art Riles in there now? Yeah, I guess. Has to be. Yeah. I mean, given the situation, yeah, that's kind of a garbage person. But, you know, it's all subjective. I, I guess if you ask Ryan Mallett, I'm a garbage person. So what kind Oh, of well, I mean, if you ask me, you're a garbage person. Well, that's that's true, too. That's true, too. I accept that. And Hugh Freeze, I, top 25? There's a difference between garbage and just yeah, kind of I don't, I don't think Hugh Freeze is a scumbag. I don't think. I just think he kind of lost his way, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. I, I know Hugh Freeze and I had many a uh, cordial interaction as well. So, I, right. yeah, yeah, I wouldn't right. put it in there. But, but I, you know what? I have people in my life that have made not not the same mistake but mistakes and 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 have are genuinely good people that just make some really terrible life choices like houston so, nut is far more scumbaggish than hugh freeze i would say so yeah yeah i would say so like, i don't see ed orgeron as a scumbag i think he was misguided yeah no he's just a neanderthal i mean he yeah. is what he like i mean he's he there's no there's no doubting what what he is and, and like freeze i think I, I think it's tough too because you're also mixing in the religious part of things and so that rubs a lot of people the wrong way how that all shook out and what he what he was and still professes to be and now has aligned himself with a bunch of really terrible human beings that profess themselves to be Christian. that's a whole nother discussion who there are people that are listening to this that may completely do, disagree with me but yeah he's uh, well-intended he loves yes. celebrity, and that's his downfall. You know, don't we all? <laughs> it's true. I would be completely disastrous if, if I had any celebrity to me at all. 
I could not handle it. Yeah, I, you know, the older I get, the less I want to have anything to do with anybody. And so I think I'm past that point. Jeez, Bunky. Jeez. Yeah. The muted Bunky yeah, Perkins is so different. It's just strange. Yeah. I remember yeah. you six years ago when you were really going. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, I've, I've, I've lost all motivation at this point. Greg Hardy was a scumbag. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we, have, a, we have a long list of scumbags and ne'er-do-wells that we could go through. And then there are just some people who just make some really bad decisions who probably are not terrible people. Someone who is not a scumbag is Stephen Godfrey. Well, let's not get crazy. Stephen Godfrey joins us now. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett. Stephen Godfrey writes for SB Nation, talking some Ole Miss, some SEC, and all things in between. It's Stephen Godfrey on the Cheney's Pharmacy phone line. For all your pharmaceutical needs, Cheney's Pharmacy is the place to go. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. At Cheney's Pharmacy, you get the best customer service out there. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online, ChaneysePharmacy.com. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Going now to the Cheney's Pharmacy phone line to speak to Stephen Godfrey. He's a senior football, college football writer for SB Nation. Hey, buddy. How are you? Good. How are you? What are you doing? Uh, I'm on the road right now visiting campuses. Ooh, is that like a college really? football tour or something? Yeah, just going around seeing some coaches in the spring. Um, it's been a remarkably uneventful spring for college football. You haven't had any sort of like catastrophic story or um, align, you know, realignment talk or anything like that. So um, people are actually talking about football for a change. Some people are mad about IAWP, um, and then some people are mad about the transfer portal. But that's pretty much it. The transfer portal seems relatively healthy. It's like giving some power back to the players to actually do something. I mean, Buzz Williams just left to go to Texas A&M. If a kid wanted to transfer right now, he'd have to sit out a year. I, I think the transfer portal's been pretty good. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, I think that the only problem right now that you're seeing is a little bit of inconsistency and that they're probably going to have to tweak the rules. The one that has got everybody, I wouldn't say up in arms, but people are just very confused by is Tate Martell. So essentially he goes from Ohio State to Miami and he can play immediately. He will play this fall. He'll probably be the starter for the Hurricanes. It's just a little bit strange that he did that and no one really had a reason for him to do it. Um, I think, in my personal opinion, that kids should be able to transfer um, and not have to sit out a year. Obviously, we know what coaches do, right? They, they're jumping around as much as humanly possible. So the thing is, that's totally different than most of the transfer scenarios that we've seen recently where you have to have some sort of uh, you know, particular special reason to transfer and play immediately. The big thing with Tate Martell was Ohio State didn't care and they didn't fight it. And that's the only reason why he got eligible so quickly was they were the beneficiaries of another transfer portal kid, which was Justin Fields going from Georgia to Ohio State. So that was it. I didn't really need to worry about it. Um, and so I think a lot of coaches are going to be mad if they don't establish some consistency soon. Is Justin Fields going to be immediately eligible? Yes, he will be immediately eligible for Ohio State. So um, he said, obviously, the, the transfer thing there was the accusations of a that he felt unsafe at the University of Georgia because of a, I think it was an alleged racial slur from a Georgia baseball player. Oh. Um, 
so yeah, kind of a kind of a weird deal. Um, not not your normal transfer fodder, um, but uh, you're going to see it more with quarterbacks. No shock there, right? Um, I just am curious if they're going to try and rewrite the rules because if they don't, and they go on a case by case basis. I think the coaches are going to lose their minds. My perspective's kind of skewed because of the team I cover, but it feels like the NCAA got into this business of allowing guys to be eligible once they transfer after the Ole Miss case. Is that wrong? Um, It has been one of a few firestorms that have kind of changed the way we talk about transfer culture. Um, The NCAA wanted to do as much as they possibly could to show that um, they were not punishing the kids. They were punishing – they didn't really know who they were going to punish because they they didn't really punish you freeze. They punished a couple assistants, but – um, they, they really, really, really push a PR angle of like, we're not out to hurt the kids in these enforcement cases, which, you know, is a lie, but, um, I think it was good. I, I think ultimately what happened with Tom Mars and Jay Patterson is it's setting course, a new conversation about these kids can move and how they can't. Um, but you've seen it, you, you've seen it a lot. I think eventually we're going to come to a point where if your head coach leaves, um, you will be able to transfer without penalty of sitting out or losing eligibility. I really think that's where we're headed. That's effectively what they do in basketball. Now the school has to grant the release, but it's like a gentleman's agreement that if a kid requests a release from a school like Vanderbilt with Austin Crowley and Bryce Drew gets fired, he requests his release. They don't have to release him, but they do. I mean, Andy Kennedy did it. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it just happens that way. I think Sorrell Smith and you know was signed with Ole Miss Andy Kennedy resigns. He's released. He ends up at Maryland. So, I mean, adopting that, if nothing else, a gentleman's agreement seems rational enough for football. You would think, yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if they do that. So if you're a, if you're a rising senior and the guys who recruited you, developed you, you were in their program, all of a sudden they get fired or they leave for a new job, are you forced to stick it out, you know, or, or with a coaching staff that you have no input on? Um, that's that's the sticking point because you're talking about upending rosters overnight. I mean, you're talking about changing consistency in a way that no one has really forecasted positive or negative. I'm just all for players having as much power as possible in a powerless environment. Right. Well, you know, the funny thing is it, it, this is one area where they've, they've sort of been able to like wedge in and fight back on. Um, lightness rights, obviously is I think the next battle, not so much player compensation. I, I think the, the NCAA institutions are going to continue to fight against that and oppress these kids. But I do think that lightness rights is probably the next thing on the table. And they're going to try and push for that. Uh, licensing, I don't know if it goes into an escrow account or something. But for now, I think eligibility will be the uh, – transfer eligibility will be the biggest topic for players. And then they're going to move on to being able to profit off of their likeness. What kind of money is involved in that? And how do you balance it? You mentioned the escrow account, obviously, but – how do you balance all the money with likeness again? Because you and I have talked about this a long time when you're on this podcast regularly till now, this is something that's been a major point of contention for everyone involved with college athletics. If they're able to profit off their likeness, how do you deal with all the money and, and being available to them? That's something that they should at least form an exploratory committee on because, um, there is no immediate answer to that question, except that when people throw their hands up and they're like, well, that would change everything. And I'm like, well, you guys don't care when you make a billion dollars in corporate revenue. You know, you don't care when television contracts completely change the landscape of the sport. You don't care when radical realignment happens. 
so you should adopt the same laissez-faire attitude now that another party's making money. Um, there is, I don't think there's a hard and fast way to do it. I do think that there are many ways, again, you know, maybe, maybe you profit off of it for a certain amount of time and you don't touch it or you don't get it until later, or maybe you don't, maybe you get it as a stipend. I think there's, there's a, a number of ways to explore it. They just, they haven't started doing that yet because they don't want to do it. Yeah, forgive me if I'm a little skeptical of the NCAA adopting anything that's pro-player because Mark Emmert, every time he talks, sounds like there's nothing that he's going to move on as far as players are concerned. Well, the funny thing about the NCAA is it's all about the membership institution, member institutions, and I think that um, they are increasingly a worse and worse light. I think the farce of their business model is, is just it's getting hard for people to stomach, especially for some reason at basketball, it really shines through with the amount of with the amount of um, attention that the wiretapping and fraud case has received and the sheer volume of participants. Um, I think one of the things that benefits the NCAA is when they have a case like USC in football or Ole Miss in football, uh, they try and isolate those individuals as bad actors, as the exception to an otherwise working system. In basketball right now, the, the quote-unquote crime is so ubiquitous it's impossible to deny that it's it's just merely a function of the sport and this is just how things get done do you think anything big 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 comes out of the fbi wiretap case no not really um i mean i think we've already seen the first round of convictions and sentencing and i mean you're talking about a couple months for a couple people uh i don't think it's going to change anything i think it'll teach it'll teach people how to circumvent the rules better um and stay off the phone that's what's going to come from this Kids aren't going to stop getting paid. Families aren't going to stop receiving assistance, nor should they. Coaches aren't going to stop doing this. They just probably need to do it a little bit better. That's it. See, my whole deal with paying players is the same as it is with legalizing weed. I mean, rather than putting people in prison or, in this case, give programs NCAA sanctions, why not just make it legal and put rules in place, regulate it? I think that would make it both profitable for each respective parties as well as take away the stigma of what pot or in this case paying players represents to some people i mean yeah i I would agree with you i don't don't know i think something is going to have to happen i think you're going to need a more seismic event on on a on a more uh on a lower level i don't think it's going to be a single athletic director a single program a single controversy like i don't think any of that that's going to change how it all happens I think what you need is the players themselves to sort of stand up and say, Hey, this is, um, this is something that we're no longer comfortable with and we're going to change it to, you know, we're going to change it immediately. Yeah. I mean, you would need some sort of organization at the player level. So where are you going this spring? Where are you visiting? You're going to visit Ole Miss at all? Uh, I'm not visiting Ole Miss. Um, I'm visiting, I just got done visiting Kentucky. Uh, I'm going to head over and at some point, hopefully get to West Virginia I'm uh, going to check out Dana Holgerson at Houston. I uh, want to go and check out a bunch of the Carolina teams as well. I'm uh, going to scoot around the SEC later this summer um, and then check out a couple mid-majors and, and find some – got a couple rising coaches, you know, folks can keep an eye on. Um, so just what I'll be doing from here on until until the fall unless there's some other major controversy or scandal, which, you know, there probably will be. What are Stephen Godfrey's three most interesting SEC storylines going into this 2019? Oh, man. Put me on the spot. That's what I do, man. Really? 
uh, put me on the spot. Auburn always. I don't think that Auburn is in a situation that, that most people do. I, I don't think that they're going to fire Gus this year. I think they're going to have another really good defense, and I think they're going to show signs of a great 2020 offense. But how patient will Auburn as a culture be with Gus and how much progress does he have to show? Um, they're a significant step behind LSU now. That will be interesting to see how that game goes. So that's the first one. Um, the second one is Texas A&M. They, they do lose some personnel that was better than they expected sitting into that system. So I don't know if it's just going to be a, like, across-the-board improvement. There are some things that they need to fix, but you have to think that quarterback play, wide receiver play, and just in general the scoring offense will be even better as that just sort of happens with Jimbo in a year two, especially when he has a quarterback for the for two years in a row. They'll be more consistent. I think Mike Elko did miracle work last year on that defense, and they lose some of those guys, so I'll be interested to see what they have there. They may be a little bit too ready for prime time in terms of like competing with Alabama, but we'll see. My third one would be the entire SEC East. That's kind of a cop-out answer with the exception of like Vanderbilt and Georgia. I think Georgia is a known quantity. Um, they're by far national title contender, all that. And then Vanderbilt is probably a team that is like a really hard out now because of the way they play defense, but they haven't really, they haven't really recruited to improve. And then you have a bunch of really, really interesting teams that I do want to focus on. Uh, you don't know a lot about, I think in terms of 2019, you have Florida, you have Kentucky, South Carolina, Missouri. I think those teams add in Tennessee, probably at the bottom of that. And then you have a bunch of fluidity. Some of those teams are going to end up on the short end of it this year. You know, Kentucky won 10 games last year. I don't think they're necessarily going to win 10 games in 2019, but I do think they're going to be better than, you know, they're not going to drop down to four and eight again. I think Tennessee has to show some improvement, especially on offense. South Carolina kind of has to put it back together to show that they can keep it going. I think there's a lot of anxiety in that fan base just because of what Clemson's done and then how good the East is getting around them. I mean, South Carolina needs to win games that South Carolina fans expect to win. And what I mean by that is not Clemson, but, like, they need to beat Kentucky. They need to beat Vanderbilt. They need to beat Missouri. You know, they should be able to compete with Tennessee and beat them. That, that's how you build those nine or ten win seasons in South Carolina. So I think the East in the middle is totally wide open. I went to Columbia for Ole Miss's NCAA tournament appearance, only one game appearance, but it was the first time I'd ever been in Columbia. Pretty great college town. Very big. It's a major city. Reminds me of Lexington, reminds me of Knoxville in that way. It's a fan base that I think they like Will Muschamp. I think they I think they're coming to grips with how hard it is in the SEC, but they are very, very, very eager to get back into a more consistent space, especially again with what Clemson has done and just turning into an absolute force. Is Ole Miss interesting to you at all? Uh, the, the coaching hires are very interesting. The system change, the scheme changes will be very interesting. But this is the year, this is the delayed reaction year for all the NCAA stuff. And so I don't really know how much Ole Miss is going to be able to to show or do or, or really like compete with because the talent drop-off really begins now. But this is when it gets really, really hard relative to the sanctions that they took, the self-imposed scholarship restrictions. So I think you're going to see a downturn at the skill positions because you, you just don't replace those wide receivers with the next batch. There are good wide receivers in the roster. It's a deep position they have, 
uh, you know, a lot of people are said the quarterback's going to be really good. Uh, it's just that, like, offensive line, defensive line, all of the run-of-the-mill stuff, run game, I think right now it shapes up to be a very tough year. The last time you were on this podcast, Ole Miss hadn't made its coordinator hires. Yeah. You, you mentioned how it would be surprising to you if Matt Luke went out and made the hires in which he did. Rich Rod and Mike McIntyre so safe to say you're surprised today. I was surprised both of them came. McIntyre is a guy, I remember when I met him when he was head coach at Colorado, and he talked about his fondness for Oxford. And his wife really, he and his wife had really liked being in the town, and they'd really like coaching uh, in that part of the country. Um, obviously, he was there under Cutcliffe as an assistant. So I'm not shocked that he came. It's just that he had a pretty substantial buyout from Colorado, and I thought could definitely use a year off. This is a, it's a really thankless job trying to fix that old Miss defense right now. So he's got so much work ahead of him. I think Rich Rod is really interesting just because Rich Rod doesn't strike me as a coordinator at all. He's a great offensive mind. He knows what he's doing, but he's going to operate a little bit like a head coach. So it's a leap of faith for Matt to, to take two proven head coaches two you know, two, two head coaches who have won at the power five level in a way that Matt has not yet and put them in as assistants. The positive outlook on that, if you're an Ole Miss fan is that they are bringing in a ton of experience. They're bringing in a lot of perspectives. It looks like Matt's running that in a very democratic way, which uh, it kind of reminds me of the way, if you remember, Justin Fuente caught fire at Memphis. The year that he got hired over to Virginia Tech, he had something like, I think it was, I wrote a story about it, I think it was six assistants that had been head coaches. So he knew what he didn't know. And I think, I think what you're seeing with Matt Luke is a, an ability to defer on a lot of stuff. Which, you know, that's a good, that's a positive trait. We'll see if it works. I think that's kind of what he wanted, a head coach of offense and a head coach of defense, and for Matt just to be the grand overseer. I think that's like the overall program philosophy he'd prefer right. to follow. Well, and I think it's no secret, and I mean, you would know this better than me, that he inherited a coaching staff and coordinators that he didn't necessarily fit with. And so, uh, you, you know, it's interesting because you're, you you're sort of starting over. And I think if you're Matt Luke, you're really asking to be evaluated starting now. The problem is college football doesn't work that way. And he's going to have to really, really, I mean, they're going to work their asses off to, to compensate for the, lo- the lack of talent, at least in 2019. If Ole Miss struggles again, especially early, what happens? Uh, I'm not sure anything happens right now. I, I don't know what they're open. I, I off the top of my head, I know they open at Memphis, right? Yeah. Okay, so that's a game they, they probably should lose. And then, you know, it's interesting, Then I don't really know the, 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 the pulse down there uh, in the wake of all the NCAA stuff. I, you know, I know last year a lot of people had a lot of really dumb ideas about firing him then. And I'm not saying, you know, I, I think there were more talented coaches and more experienced coaches available two years ago when they made that hire. I know, I know for a fact a couple of head coaches they spoke with who are more successful right now. Uh, Ole Miss kind of made its bed. And if you fire Matt Luke, you know, halfway through the 2019 season, I think it's just a sign of how little you guys have it together as a culture and a program. You got to have to see it out one more year with him at least because otherwise the message it sends is they were just going to shoot this guy in the interim role, no matter what. And that might still be the case. You know, they might make a change in 2020, but doing it earlier, doing it midway through the 19th season, unless they're completely flatlined, I don't see why you would do that. Mike Norvell wanted the job, but there was something they found in background that just wasn't going to work for them. So 
other coaches that wanted it. You're not going to name names, but big name guys? I mean, guys at the Power 5 level right now, it's a job that intrigues a lot of people. I think it's a job that there's a lot of people don't fundamentally understand because the periods of sustained success they've had have always been accompanied by some sort of seismic collapse at the end of it, be it Hugh Freeze in the NCAA, be it having Eli Manning there. You know, it's hard for consistency to reign there. Um, but I, people know the talent in the area. I think people know that there's a commitment to the infrastructure, so that helps. You know, it's funny. I was I was thinking about this yesterday because at the University of Kentucky, everybody has there's no more of this whole bragging about the IPF thing anymore. Like everybody has an IPF now. Everybody has an amazing facility. Like I was at, you know, UK has a four-year-old facility that looks way better than Ole Miss's now. And that's their football team. And, you know, that's a basketball school. So you have to constantly keep up, find something that's unique. And I think Ole Miss has to be dedicated to doing that, but they also have to be realistic about the situation they're in currently and the state of that roster. So you know, I don't know. I think it's going to be really interesting to watch to see how people react this year. I expect them to not be a good football team. Over under one and a half years for Hugh Freeze at Liberty. Ah, uh, one and a half is the is the exact mark to set it. I would take over. I think it'll be two years and he's out. Two seasons. Five and a half wins over under for Ole Miss football in 2019. What's the rest of their non-conference? Memphis, Cal. Southeast Louisiana, New Mexico State. Um, okay, well, they're definitely going to win the FCS games in New Mexico State. Um, I think Cal and Memphis, they're really, really lucky if they split those games. And then I take, I would say five wins this year, just going off the top of my head. I don't know who else they get from the East that isn't Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, Missouri. Missouri's going to be a really interesting team this year because I think that with Kelly Bryant, they could be really, really good if it works. And if not, I don't know what they've got coming back around him. You know, Drew Locke was really, really underrated. Yeah, I'd say five. I'd say five and seven. I think Drew Locke will be a better pro than he was a college player. Absolutely. I think that's just the situation that you have. They they went through a lot while he was there at Missouri. I don't think they ever really had an offense that, that took advantage of what he could do. And they certainly didn't have the level of skill position around him. Jimbo Fisher and Buzz Williams. Is that the best coaching tandem in college sports? Well, I don't know a ton about basketball, but... It's a pretty significant one-two punch. I'll tell you what it is. It's a remarkable turnaround from what they had. I think Texas A&M has really, really, really just gone all in on making making a new identity for themselves inside the Southeastern Conference, and they really feel like they can spin their way to do it. That's really hard, but when you you look at the landscape and the money that comes into that program and what they generate in revenue, you know, Alabama hums and clicks, and when Florida's going, they hum and click. But, you know, financially, Texas A&M is a behemoth. I don't know if they're ever going to be Alabama, but uh, they're certainly going to try and, and buy their way into being Alabama. They fit perfectly in the SEC, unlike when I went to Columbia, Missouri, for Ole Miss, Missouri, the last game of the regular season in basketball. First time I'd been back there since I think Ole Miss played there in football. And, again, I was hit with this does not feel like the SEC at all. No, I think Missouri is a unique institution because it's comprised of a lot of like a lot of undergraduates from Illinois and a lot of people from St. Louis. And those are distinctly Midwestern cultures, values, et cetera. And then on the undercurrent of it, you have south of St. Louis. You have a lot of a lot of kids who come from the southern side of the state and it feels very much like Arkansas. So it's very 
it's very blended, and they don't. I don't necessarily think they fit into the Big Ten either, culturally. They kind of are them. They kind of are unto themselves, which they're sort of half Southern and half Midwest. NC State would have been a better fit. Yeah, it just doesn't give you what you want. I mean, I don't know what Missouri necessarily gave them in that way either, but I think NC State as an institution was not as appealing as Missouri was at the time. The best school not in the SEC that would fit seamlessly. Clemson. Yeah. They are an SEC school in every way, shape, and form. They just don't have the logo. That's it. He's Stephen Godfrey at 38Godfrey on Twitter. Check his stuff out on SB Nation. What's the next thing you're coming out with? When can someone see a Stephen Godfrey byline in SB Nation next? Uh, that's a really good question, Ben. I'm working on, uh, obviously, we do our podcast. Podcast ain't play nobody. You can check that out every week on all your all your podcast subscription services and stuff. Working on a little bit of an investigative piece. We'll see uh, when that hits. But just going to be doing a lot of these, like, coaching visits. So pretty standard. Again, it's really quiet, Ben. There's no, there's no scandal. You've always been better than me at naming podcasts. You're the one that came up with the flagship. Podcast ain't played nobody. Why are you doing well, anything good. else? This is what you should be getting I don't paid know. for. I should, yeah. I should just name podcasts for a living. It sounds yeah. lucrative. Yeah. All right, sir. All right. He's Stephen Godfrey. Thanks, man. Yes, sir. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your Modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives, securing futures. That was Stephen Godfrey. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bunky Perkins at Bunky Perkins. Follow Stephen on Twitter at 38Godfrey. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com. This podcast is on SoundCloud, iTunes. Soon to be back on Rebel Sports Radio. Subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. Ole Miss has got a scrub ball coming up this weekend. The end of spring practices. Will you watch nine and a half minutes of the spring game? Way, way under. Probably not at all. I might. I don't know. I Would old watch- Bunky watch all of spring football? In his prime, Bunky, would you have done oh, spring yeah, football? For sure, for sure. He didn't have anything better today. Uh, yeah, I, I might. You know, if it's on the SEC Network on a replay, I might catch a little bit of it. But yeah, I, I, what what can you really tell from from uh, you know? I, I'd like to see a little bit of the Rich Rod office, but it's not like I hadn't seen it before. You know, and so um, yeah, I, I might catch a couple minutes. But yeah, nine nine is is that's pushing it. Is there anything that can be gleaned from spring football practices anymore? Yeah, maybe. Uh, you know, new guys you want to see. The old guys, not really. You know what they are. They're a known commodity, especially when you have new coaches that are implementing new systems and a new defensive alignment and a same spread attack, but more of a run-based. I, I think it's at least interesting. They're not going to show anything, really. It's going to be very vanilla and very basic. But plus, it's it's football in the spring. You hadn't seen it in a while. I mean, you know, the AEF is dead as of yesterday, so – you know, a couple minutes of football on your TV can't hurt you. I was actually going to play higher fire send to the AAF with you, but Sudo 
we did it on last Thursday's show. Thank God, because it folded yesterday. Otherwise, I yeah. thought you would have totally been down for that. Yeah, I mean, that was that was on borrowed time. So glad you yeah. got that in. Yeah, got that one in. Got it done. What is your interest level in Ole Miss football right now? Like on a scale of 1 to 10? Sure. 4. That low, like, huh? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm interested. But that's, that's Ole Miss sports in general for me. And that's just, I don't know if that's just a... I don't know if that's maturity or if that's just I've been beaten up so much or if it's – I don't know what it is. Like, perfect example, I was in Fayetteville all weekend. Did I even drive by the baseball stadium? No. Didn't even think about it. Like, I looked at the scores just to see how we were doing, but it wasn't an attempt to actually go watch our baseball team. It was a little cold, but still. I feel I you're like a, lot of, like a lot of fans right now. Yeah. I do care about something. I've told you before, I, I actually care a lot about the Ole Miss golf program, which is a very dad thing to care about. God almighty, you're old. Yeah, I know. So, yeah, if you ask me questions about that, like I know exactly, I'm following them hole by hole pretty much where I can. So, almost football is what it is right now. I mean, I hope they can figure it out, and I hope that... What brings you uh, back? Matt Corral setting the world on fire? Is that what brings you back? I don't think anything brings me back this year. I think it's... Let's see what happens after next year, right? So, like, I don't think, barring just a complete disaster, that Matt Luke's going anywhere. We're with him for at least another year after that. Let's see how. Let's see what happens the next year. I mean, I don't think Matt Corral is going to do what Chad Kelly did in his first year. Nobody will. That was otherworldly, and so that those are high expectations too. I think you can you can hope that he's a little bit better, Shea Patterson. And it's not just him. Like, I mean, wide receiver, who the hell – I mean, who's who's playing for us? Like, who's who's going to step up and actually be somebody that can be depended on? Offensive line. I mean, granted, we do have some guys coming back, but there are a lot of holes there that need to be filled. Defense, they're switching from a 4-3 to a 3-4. Or did I mix that up? No, you got it. Okay. And so that'll be interesting. Uh, I think having a lot of head coaching experience backing that up will be – you know, it's it's a great plan, right? Like if if you're going to hire Matt Luke, relatively inexperienced, certainly from a head, co- head coaching perspective, put some guys behind him that have good experience and can tell him what to do. And it's not just uh, his offensive and defensive coordinator. Jack McNell's his offensive lineman. Jack Jack was a head coach. Jack's been around. I, I know Jack. Jack's a good dude. And so all of those things can't do anything but hurt, but help him. So. I'm 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 hopeful. I'm not optimistic. If that makes any sense. If Ole Miss makes it to a bowl, you going? Depends. It depends. If I it's might. the Independence Bowl. Oh hell yes! I'll probably <laughs> do. I'll, I'll be there to to do the uh, the coin flip. If, if it's if it's the Independence Bowl, yeah. I mean, if it's if it's within a reasonable different distance, I, I might I might show up. But yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a successful year for Ole Miss. Any bowl game. Bowl eligibility is all you can expect. Anything else is gravy. When did you do the full-on Ole Miss football game experience? Going to the Grove, groving, drinking, way too drunk, go to the game. I guess Lee Burley's a part of that experience too, but when did you do all that? Auburn two years ago. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's been a while. Every time I talk to you, I lose a little bit more respect for you. Well, that was my goal. He's Bunky Perkins at Bunky Perkins on Twitter. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben. Thanks, man. I guess I'll hear from you in a month. Uh, If you're lucky.